Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I believe today that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what your needs are, and those needs will be met through the anointed Word of God. The answers that you need, they're in the Word of God, and those answers will come forth by the Holy Spirit, and God will minister to you today through His anointed Word. So get ready to receive. Now we're going to honor the Lord first. We're going to bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of God. And I have a scripture for you from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, as we're going to prepare to honor the Lord with our giving. And it says in Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. Now, the Lord chose Jerusalem. So all the men were required three times a year to come up to Jerusalem, regardless of where you lived. Even if you lived outside of the borders of Israel and you were a Jew, you still had to come up to Jerusalem in order to uh, obey the Lord's command. Now, the ladies were not required to come, but so often they would come along as well, because with these feasts, they were in a sense a festival and there would be a lot of rejoicing and fun times. So Often the whole family would come, not just the men. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that would be Passover. At the Feast of Weeks, that's what we know more commonly as Pentecost. And also at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Now, Tabernacles sometimes is called the Feast of Sukkot. That is because the Jewish people would stay in these little booths or tents. Sometimes you've even heard the expression, the Feast of Booths, and that is a representation to those little tent-like structures that they would stay in for the seven days. Those little tents are called sukkahs. And for them to be up to code for the rabbi's permission of giving, uh, you know, the checkoff, that's a good sukkah. You would have to have it uh, very, it's a very uh, thin, lean structure, but you would have to look up at night and you, although you would have a covering, you still are uh, supposed to be able to see the stars clearly on a clear night. So it's very temporary type structure, but it's enough to have a tent uh, over you and around you. And the Feast of Tabernacles is a celebration of the gathering in of the fall harvest. And remember, all of the good stuff would come in during the fall, particularly the wheat, but you also have your grapes and all of the delicious fruit. It's all really coming in at this time. And so there's that celebration of the harvest as well as the ongoing celebration of looking back and being mindful of how God protected the Israelites when he delivered them out of Egypt, and not only that initial deliverance, but also kept them safe all through the journey throughout the wilderness and those 40 years of hiking through some very difficult terrain. God protected them. So it's a harvest-themed celebration. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. Praise God. Now, from a prophetic standpoint, the in gathering at the end times of the harvest of souls 
is the feast that the church is still looking forward to experiencing. We have had some in gathering, but in the last days, we're going to hit the great experience of the former rain and the latter rain and the move of God's spirit, because rain would often typify uh, typify the Holy Spirit. It's all going to come in a great move of God's spirit. That's going to be an evangelistic harvest that would be known in the New Testament perspective as the ingathering of the nations, Woo! bringing them to Christ through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel. Now, we are coming very quickly into the Feast of Tabernacles, and Sunday, October 4th, will be the Sunday that we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, and I want you to prepare your heart to sow a very special seed for a very special need that the ministry has. And I believe, I believe there's a real anointing on this. Now remember, the Lord said that we are not to appear before Him empty-handed on these three special feast days. So we have honored the Lord this year at Passover and also during Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles is very, very special in the eyes of the Lord because it represents the great end time harvest of souls. Now I'm going to share something from my private life because I feel I need to share it so that you can understand the context of what wonderful thing God is doing in my in my private life, I don't always share when I fast. Now, if we do something as a collective group of believers, and it's like what we would call a corporate fast, or we collectively all jump in together and say, let's fast, praise God for a specific purpose, then such a thing I would announce. And you see that in the Bible. You see public fasting amongst the people of God for special occasions. And then you also see at times where those would have, uh, you know, the people of God would have their own uh, private time of fasting. Well, I, I fasted recently. Well, actually, I just completed fasting a few days ago where I did a 12-day fast and just drank apple juice and coffee. That was about it. Apple juice and coffee. Didn't need any food, not even a peanut for 12 days. And I don't share this to try to make you think I'm spiritual. That's, that's not what this is about at all. I, I share this to say I was seeking the Lord. And during the, these 12 days, I was really seeking the Lord for souls. And uh, that has been a big theme this year for this ministry. And that's why we have done the outreaches that we have done. And we're continuing to really push through television to reach as many people as possible with the gospel message, the, the good news of Christ. Now, I was really seeking the Lord for souls, and when I concluded my fast, the next day after that, the Lord spoke to my heart, and He said, I'm going to open the door. Get ready to go through it. He said, when the door opens, go through it. And um, we have just had the door open. Look, there are some prayers that you can pray that are so pleasing to the heart of God, it does not take Him long to answer. And anytime you get along that line of God's heart, which would be for souls and things like that, uh, God is very attentive to those type of prayers. And so we have just had contact from one of the major networks that we're on. I, I won't say which one, but this network has contacted me, has contacted our ministry and said, we are asking you, Pastor Stephen, to create special television programs. They'll be short in length. This is how long we want them. This is what, you know, they had certain specifications they're asking for. 
and we want them geared 100% towards soul winning. In other words, make these messages evangelistic, and we're going to take them, and we're going to play them all throughout the month of November and December, and we will play them at no charge because we want to see souls saved. And look, they have contacted me for television content that is strongly evangelistic in nature. Now, those of you that watch me on a regular basis, you know that even if it's a Wednesday morning Bible study or a Sunday message like I'm preaching today, every single program, there's not a program that I do not cast the harvest net of soul winning and give any person that would be watching who doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior an opportunity to receive Christ and His eternal life. Well, the Lord, I believe, has seen our heart. He has seen our efforts. He has heard our prayers. And this major network says, present these programs to us and we that are evangelistic, and we will play them over and over again at no charge. Now look, this network reaches daily over 1 billion potential viewing audience. Not 1 million, 1 billion. Okay? So, this is something that in order for us to do, I've got to go into the television studio and we have to record these, but uh, it's not free. And we also are faced now very soon with have to, having to get back into the studio anyhow to record uh, season three of Pure Gold. So we have to do an, another whole season of Pure Gold for the upcoming season that will be for that, our half-hour television program. Plus, they are asking for these evangelistic messages, and we, we're going to record them on our, you know, our best set. That would be the Pure Gold set. So my friends, I'm asking that you would sow a Tabernacles seed. What is Tabernacles about if you really look into it? It's about from the Old Testament perspective, the ingathering of the harvest. From the New Covenant perspective, it's the ingathering of souls. That is the whole theme of Tabernacles, and it's very exciting. I'm asking that as we move towards October 4th, that's a Sunday, Sunday, October 4th, between now and then, if you want to do it on that special day, that's fine, because that'll be uh, Tabernacles. That'll be the Feast of the Ingathering on that day. But if you think, well, Pastor Stephen, I've already got the seed. I'll go ahead and bring it in now. Then that would be fine as well. But my friends, I'm asking you, would you do something special? Because this is all for the harvest. When this program, these evangelistic programs air, there's, there's not a product that I'm offering there's not some type of monetary compensation for this in the natural. The only person that can reward me for this is God, okay, and touching the hearts of people because we're, gonna, we're going to go into the studio and record these, but it's not like, hey, there's a product offer, you know, attached to it or something like that. There's not because when you're evangelistic, you want to cover the whole thing. You, you don't want anything really attached to it where, you know, you're, you're making an appeal for an offering. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we're going to just make it straight, 100% evangelistic. Would you help me record these programs? Because we have to pay for them. They're produced at a world-class production studio that uh, we have our own set there, but we have to pay for them. And because it is top-of-the-line broadcast quality, you know, it's going to cost us some money to do this. So I need to hear from you. Would you sow your special 
tabernacle offering seed because it's going to go 100% for souls. We're going to go after the souls. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we're not waiting around. We're not playing games. We're just going for souls. We're just, and we're, we're blatantly open and honest about it. We want to see the lost one to Christ. Praise God. Now, of course, once we went unto the Lord, we'll just keep putting the word of God into them so they're built up and established and strong. But you know what? It's harvest time, this feast of tabernacles. And as God has blessed you in this season, Sow your very best seed, praise God. Mm-mm. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And you may be in a place because of the various things in the earth right now, the various difficulties where you find yourself in a place where maybe in other seasons of your life you could have done something, maybe something special. But you might, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Stephen, I'm kind of I'm on the ropes right now. There's no better time to sow than when you're on the ropes because trust me, when you're after the Lord's heart, when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll add, he'll add everything that you need to your life and you'll be okay. So I would encourage you, don't let anything stop you from sowing a seed that will go directly into the ministry to reach the lost for Christ. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty handed. So right now, Talk it over with your spouse. If you're married, if you're single, whatever the case might be, go before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have us do? And then position yourself to sow that seed. Praise God. Now, today, let's continue the honor of the Lord by bringing the tithes into the storehouse and also the special offering. I would ask that you get it in on or before October the 4th, which is Sunday, which is literally the day of the Feast of Tabernacles itself. You know, we even see in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews feast of tabernacles was at hand. So of course the Lord was well aware of all of these feasts. And uh, you know, the thing about Jesus is that it was God tabernacling with man. It was God putting on a tent, our human body, Jesus, God becoming man and walking upon the earth. So God tabernacled with men, God walking around with men. It was an amazing thing, really a mystery. Jesus is 100% man, and at the same time, he's 100% God. But on the earth, he laid down the God power and operated as a man, just like we do, so that he would have to be reliant upon the Holy Spirit to give him the direction and wisdom that he needed. Praise God. So my friends, Let's celebrate Jesus, who is the great fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, and who would have us take the gospel to all of the world. Praise the Lord. Sow your wonderful seed, and we'll be looking for it as it comes in. Now, those of you that would like to honor the Lord with your tithe, your special seed, and you want to mail it in, please send your gifts to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring the tithe and the special offering in online, you can do so anytime. 
and day or night, please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and there's a link on the homepage where you can bring your tithes in and your offering. And if you want to bring the special offering in and have it designated for that, just click the header that's called Projects, and you'll see an area where you can give for TV airtime. It'll say that. It'll say TV airtime, and we're going to use it. We're going to use it just for that. Praise God to produce these new shows, to create the evangelistic messages, and to produce the next season of pure gold. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Thank you for their giving spirits, their giving hearts. Woo! And I thank you that you already have a harvest on your mind for them, and they're going to really have a tremendous feast of tabernacles. They're going to have uh, a literal experience of ingathering abundance and provision and blessing. And there's going to be a lot of joy on this day of October 4th and all of that week because it's a seven-day feast. Now, Father, we give you praise. Bless your people. We thank you that you give seed to the sower and that you're going to multiply the seed they sow. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And thank you so much for standing with us as we step through the door the mighty door that the Lord has opened for us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles today and go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. I want to talk about you moving into clandestine operations. There is a reason for this teaching. There is something coming up that you need to be ready for, not only the Feast of Tabernacles, but I want your heart to be positioned to take advantage of the special prophetic season that we are in. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word to study your Word and to receive today's message, we ask that your Holy Spirit would Give our spiritual eyes, our understanding, wisdom, and revelation of the Scriptures. Thank you, Father. Help us to see it, and help us to receive your grace to make application of the teaching of your Word to our lives, so that we can walk in this and live in it. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Woo! You know, the thing with grace is that if you'll endeavor to step into this today, that which we're going to be studying, if you'll endeavor to do it, the grace will be there. But if you just wait for the grace to come, uh, you know, like, Lord, I'm waiting for the grace. I, I don't sense it. So, oh, well, it's not God's will for me. Uh, then you'll realize you, it won't flow. But if you'll just say, Lord, I'm in on this and you move towards it, the grace will be there in the most amazing ways, and that is for you to experience personally. Now, Mark chapter 1, verse 33, And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, the apostle in Russia Today, his name is Dr. Rick Renner, who is a Greek scholar of the New Testament, also a spirit filled minister, wonderful man of God. He, uh, with having an expertise in church history, early church history, he said all of the early church historians agree that anytime Jesus was ministering, 
there was always a crowd around him, usually around 20,000 people. Other times the crowd could be 30,000. Sometimes it could be as much as 50,000 people. And that is from the, the early teaching of the early church fathers and historical records that basically showed us that when Jesus was out ministering, there was a crowd. And trust me, with an anointing like that, with healing power like that, you're going to have every sick person in the area trying to get around this guy. And so you have to understand the power of the anointing and the, and the, the magnitude of the ministry that he had. So uh, it says the whole city was gathered together at the door. That is not an exaggeration. He drew the crowds in a massive, massive way. So we see that there was a great demand upon the anointing of the spirit of God upon his life. So there was a lot of ministry going on to the point where the apostles, the 12 apostles, they hardly had time to eat. Uh, you have to understand a move of God, what that demands, what that extracts from you. Uh, a lot of your hobbies go up in smoke <laughs> real quick. It doesn't mean that you still can't function in life, but um, that type of a moving of the spirit requires a lot of your attention, a lot of your energy, a lot of your focus. Uh, it's very, very beautiful. Now, that would leave anybody at the end of the day tired, drained, and needing some sleep. Now, remember, I said that Jesus was 100% God. And 100% man. So we know that when he ministered to the woman at the well, that he was very tired. He had to sit down. He was tired. So he, he feels the effects of living in a human physical body like you and I do. But I want you to understand that even though we have limitations with this physical body, which, praise God, one day will be lifted. <laughs> it's going to be nice to have these uh, limitations removed, and I'm not going to need glasses anymore, and uh, we're not going to get fatigued or tired ever again, and we're not going to be hungry, although if you want to eat for the pleasure of food, you can do that, but it's not like if you don't eat, you're, you're going to get wore out and tired. No, all of that will be a thing of the past, and you'll be able to see for miles and miles and miles. You'll be able to run. You'll be able to jump. You'll be able to fly. You'll be able to do many things that you can't do today because you will receive at the resurrection of the saints, you will receive an incorruptible glorified body. It'll be your body, but it will be, uh, it will be just totally on a totally new level. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So knowing that though, we still have these regular human bodies that we're in right now, but there is still grace. There is still grace to step into an area that a lot of people don't think is always possible, and that would be the following verse, verse 35. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Now, it doesn't tell us what time that was, and that's because God's not a legalist. Now, what, a, what I mean by a legalist is putting rules and regulations and stacking them on top of a person to the point where you're now suffocated by rules. And that can happen in, in a bureaucracy where you have 
a business, but you're going to straddle that business with so many regulations that they can hardly function because of all the red tape. And now you've actually have have limited that business, that organization or that person from flourishing and being creative because of all the rules and regulations. So we're not actually told the time of when he got up. But we do know that it was a long while before daylight. And a long while is not 10 minutes. It's not 20 minutes. It's, it's a long while. So it could be an hour easily. Could be two, could be three hours. We don't really know. All we do know is that it was a long while before the sun ever came up. He was already up. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now in the morning, having risen, risen, uh, in first, he's up, okay, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out. Now, the thing of rising is very important because if you think, well, I'll lay here in the bed and pray, you and I both know that's not going to work. You're going to fall back to sleep 99% of the time. But here is a key. Would you like a golden key this morning that if you'll just get up, if you'll do the risen part, if you'll just rise, you right there won over 90% of the victory. The very fact that you rise and get up and that you'll go find a place to sit down and pray, that very fact, that one act right there alone is the thing that is the make it or break it point for so many people. And so I'm here today to tell you, if you'll just get up, you have to realize if you can just do that, that's the hardest part. You have already won 99%. I would say 90%. I'd even sometimes say 99% of the great challenge of what would be this praying in these odd hours in these clandestine type operations. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out. Again, he went out. He didn't, uh, he didn't stay there because, you know, the other apostles are sleeping there. And sometimes you just need to have your own little spot where you won't wake anybody else up. You won't disturb them, and they won't disturb you. A long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So you want to have your own little solitary place. It could be a chair in the corner. Uh uh, something that's not uncomfortable. So, you know, if you're going to be sitting there praying for a while, you, you know, you don't want your circulation getting cut off in your legs. So like a wooden chair is probably not a good idea. At the same time, you don't want to go somewhere that's luxury, ultra comfortable. So the next thing you know, you're starting to doze back off again. So there's a happy medium in there somewhere. And that's between you and the Holy Spirit to get that dialed in for your own devotional life. Okay. So there's a solitary place and it says very importantly, and there he prayed. That can be difficult for some, but one of the great neutralizers of that difficulty is, is that it's, you know, you're looking at what, four o'clock in the morning, maybe for some of you, two 30 in the morning or three o'clock in the morning. And that has a neutralizing effect upon your soul because although your body may feel fatigued and tired, once you get in that spot, you know, you kind of start waking up, maybe you get a coffee. Now you're, you're waking up extra good, but you have this huge advantage of this being an off time for your mind, because if it were maybe like normally, like maybe like six thirty or seven o'clock in the morning, the first thing we're going to want to do is we're going to want to check text messages 
And, you know, particularly for myself, because they're they're coming in not just during the daytime. They, they come in all hours of the night because there's international uh, people that contact me, international ministers. They're, they're texting me. And so, you know, in the morning, if it's 730 or something like that, and I'm eating breakfast, I want to look to see what are the texts, what are the emails that are coming through, get the early jump on the day. But this is very, very different. This is totally in the dead still middle of the night and really You'll find in times like that, you're not even interested in email. You don't even want to look at the text. And uh, I, I'll look at my phone just to see what time it is because, you know, we can wear watches today, but you and I both know nobody really wears a watch today to know what time it is because you've got all these uh, digital devices or uh, other type of things on your phone. So really, a watch has been relegated to that of jewelry, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's totally fine. Uh, a watch is a very wonderful thing, even when you don't know what the uh you don't even uh, you you can look at your phone and tell what time it is but a watch is still just nice to have praise the lord and if you have a you know a quartz watch or a mechanical watch should your phone ever go down or should society be briefly interrupted with uh you know some type of uh thing where all of that you know doesn't work and you can't get charged back up well at least you've got your watch praise the lord so don't get rid of your watch now it says there he prayed there he prayed in other words he didn't check his text messages or emails oh pastor Stephen, he didn't have that back then i know but even even still no no matter what era you're living in regardless of even you know pre-internet age there were still things that would compete for your attention i'm sure that would have been the case back then too so he got busy with prayer and there's something about it where your mind is still that's the huge advantage that allows you to pray and start getting into the presence of the Lord and start getting information from the Holy Spirit. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him because he, he's not there. He's not in the little uh, group. You know, they're all asleep and they wake up and he's gone. So he had been gone for quite some time. Verse 37, when they found him, they said to him, now, before I read to you what they said to him, the Holy Spirit showed me that years back that if I would practice this also, this same discipline, which is Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that if I would practice this, the same thing would be said of me. And I have found that it is true. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, in the sense that, hey, we're all looking for you. In other words, we need you. Hey, the crowds are already showing up. Lord, uh, uh, you know, Lord, they, they want you. Why? Because the anointing was on him to minister to their needs. And this is a word for you also, that if you'll step into this, they'll come looking for you too in your respected career field, in your area of expertise, in your area of anointing. If you have had your clandestine nighttime secretive operation with the Lord, they'll come looking for you too in the sense they're, they're like, hey, we need your help because you're the only one that knows how to figure this out. And you're the only one that's good at this whenever we start having these problems pop up. So do your thing. Praise the Lord. So trust me, if you walk in this and you practice verse 35, then verse 37 will be yours. Everyone will be looking for you also. Maybe not necessarily to have you lay hands on them and pray for them to be healed from a sickness or a disease. But in your area of your anointing, yes, they'll be looking for you. 
and they'll say, hey, you're, you're, you know, come over here. We need you again. Praise the Lord. And when you walk in an, an anointing of the Holy Spirit, you'll always be in demand. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's always keep that in order. And that was something that was really demonstrated to the twelve. And, of course, Judas later, you know, he, he's going to kill himself. He's going to get replaced with Matthias. So, you know, they were reduced down to 11, but then they were bumped back up to, to, to uh, 12 again. But the twelve understood this as a core discipline that could never be drifted from, and they actually mention it in the book of Acts chapter 6. Let's look at that just for a moment. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, see that that's a move of God, okay, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now the Hellenists were Jewish, but they were Jews, but they were Greek-speaking Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable, it's not fitting, it's not appropriate that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. It's not like uh, they're not trying to be humble, they just know, hey, look, that's not where we're going to be best plugged in at. Let us stay in the apostolic function, the apostolic office, because we can get the apostolic results and find somebody else, you know, that's fitting to plug in for uh, the serving of the tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Let those guys take care of that while we do what we're called to do. Pastor Stephen, what were they called to do? Verse 4, but we will give ourselves, number one, continually to prayer, and number two, to the ministry of the Word. Now, let me say this. Having seen this proven, the, the, the order is very, very important. And any good missionary will tell you this is true. If you get it reversed, you're going to have problems. And any apostolic leader or prophetic individual that I've met, any prophet that I know, that as we talk about this, if you flip this, you'll lose your edge. And here's what it is. You have to first, number one, give yourself continually to prayer. You've got to get the prayer first. You've, you've got to build your whole life around your prayer life. And let everything else fall where it may after the structure that is established. So you give yourself continually to prayer, and next would be to the ministry of the Word. But you have to put the prayer first, or else... Your, your time in the Word can get real dry, and I've seen ministers reverse it, where they're going to put the emphasis on the Word, and they do a lot of study, but they don't ever pray. And so when they get up and they talk, it just sounds so hollow. It sounds so empty. Even what, if what they're saying is doctrinally correct, it doesn't have the life in it because their relationship with the Lord is, is being hindered. It's hurting because their prayer life has become absent. Wow. And that's actually very, very dangerous. So number one, give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You never want to flip that, that order, that structure. Now, some people say we need to put the word first. You do in the sense of the revealed will of God expressed through scripture. You, you're, you're going to put the word first. In other words, you can't say, well, I was praying and God told me that stealing's okay. No, no, that, that's wrong. We always put the word first as the standard. But when the word lists uh, what we would call principles 
or certain ways we should do things, then we're going to follow that. So we're actually honoring the word and we're putting the word first when we put the emphasis on prayer and then time in the word. So you really want to have a very strong prayer life. That's very, very important. Now, I have a book right here that as I was looking up in the contents earlier uh, today, I noticed that this book, and I knew it was old. I knew exactly how old it was, but even shows the month. This book was printed, and let me uh, just flip over here just to make sure, in April of 1921. Mm, praise the Lord. So this book, as of right now, is 99 years old. Listen to this. It says, set up and electrotyped. Published April 1921. It was electrotyped. In other words, somebody uh, used an electric type machine to type it out, a typewriter. <laughs> and, you know, today, who uses a typewriter? Nobody. But this is a 99 year old book, and this is on the life of, uh, that's, uh, of the, actually, the title is called The Message of Sadhu Sundar Singh. And Sundar Singh was one of the great saints of India. And uh, he was known as the Apostle of the Bleeding Feet. He was born, I believe, in 1889, and his ministry was very vital in India and also the Himalayans in, uh, you know, the 1920s. It was very, very active at that time. And he also traveled to America, traveled throughout uh, uh, London and England and so forth and some European countries because he became very well known as a man who walked very, very close with the Lord. So he had... A very deep walk with God, and he drew very large crowds, but I think it's fascinating that he had Revelation of Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and I want to tell you about something from his life that's very fascinating, and I was going to read it to you from this book, but I actually realized that the story that I want to share with you is not in this book. It's in another book, and that book I didn't have in my office, or I would have grabbed it and would have read it to you. But praise the Lord, almost anything you want to find today is on the Internet. So I'm going to read this to you from uh, the story from another book. And this book was uh, written by a lady. I, I believe her last name was Mrs. Baker, and uh, she knew him personally. And she knew that he was the real deal. He was a man that just, he was continually in prayer. And he was very rooted in the scriptures. And because of that, he had a very, very effective and unique ministry. And this is what it was said by an eyewitness. Okay? Let's take a look at this. Uh, a day in the life of the ministry of Sadhu Sundar Singh. It says, those who roomed or lived with him not only saw but recorded some of the marvelous events which seem to constantly take place around him. Now, in this story, when it says those who roomed or lived with him, this would be at one of the missionary outposts that he would stay at, as he would travel around, going from place to place, and so often going to Tibet during a certain part of the year to minister in an area that had been completely... Uh, Unevangelized. He was one of the rare people that ever uh, got into Tibet, risking his life to do that, because very few of the Western missionaries could ever uh, get close to Tibet. They were they were never allowed in. But he would he would risk his life to go in. 
And so from time to time, he would stay at uh, these various missionary outposts, and they would let him stay there because they all knew who he was. And he was, he was very well known, and he was also a leader that they looked up to. They knew that he was a man that had risked his life many times to preach the gospel to the Tibetans who had never even heard of Christ, never even heard of a Bible or anything like that. So, it says, thus a gentleman who later became a YMCA secretary in England wrote of that night which had left him stunned and speechless. Uh, stunned and speechless. So here's an eyewitness account of something that a man saw that left him stunned and speechless. Long after midnight, this man said, he said, I was aroused. I was roused or wakened by a movement in the room. The sadhu had risen from his bed and was moving towards the door. I pray you do the same thing. I pray that you get up out of your bed and that you move to wherever you're going to go and spend time with the Lord at. But remember, get up out of the bed. The sadhu had risen from his bed. Oh, by the way, sadhu in the Indian culture simply means a teacher. Okay. The sadhu had risen from his bed and was moving towards the door, which opened on the wooden stairs outside the house. The creaking of the wood made it clear that he was going down the stairs. Knowing that the sadhu spent hours of the night in prayer, I was not surprised at this. But when half an hour or so had passed and he had not returned, I became uneasy. The thought of the leopard in the valley made me feel anxious. So I got out of bed and looked out the window towards the forest. A few yards from the house, I saw the sadhu sitting, looking down into the deep valley. It was a beautiful night. The stars were shining brightly. For a few moments, I watched the silent figure of the sadhu. Then my eyes were attracted by something moving on his right. An animal was coming towards him. As it got nearer, I saw that it was a leopard. Choked with fear, I stood motionless near the window, unable even to call. Just then, the sadhu turned his face towards the animal and held out his hand. As though it had been a dog, the leopard lay down and stretched out his head to be stroked. It was a strange, unbelievable scene, and I can never forget it. A short time afterwards, the sadhu returned and was soon asleep. But I lay awake wondering. Mm, very, very interesting. Now, again, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And this was something that Sadhu Sundar Singh practiced on a regular basis, and it's what gave him that unusual edge to his ministry, where he had so many unusual miracles taking place. He would get up in the middle of the night, pray for hours, but before the sun would come up, he'd go back to where everybody else was asleep at. He would lay back down, catch a little sleep, and then he would wake up with everybody else. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. By the way, this, this phenomena that happens with many holy men or holy women with animals uh, this is not an exception with Brother Singh. Uh, these things happened in the life of St. Francis of Assisi, particularly with the ravenous wolf that was terrorizing a village. 
And, uh, you know, the, the villagers treated it horribly by throwing stones at it, and uh, it would constantly try to steal food because it was starving. And uh, Brother Francis shows up to the village, and they say, hey, look, is there anything you can do to deal with this wolf? This thing was huge. So he, he has an encounter with the wolf and basically tells the wolf, hey, you need to, you need to repent. Stop doing all these things that you're doing of terrorizing people. <laughs> I won't tell the full story because it was pretty bad stuff that the wolf did. But the wolf repented, and there was a communication somehow that took place between the two of them. And then he took the animal back to the village, into the village, and said, now you guys need to take care of the animal. The poor thing's starving. I mean, look at his ribs. Yeah, he's a huge creature, but can't you tell? He's hungry. So there needs to be some cooperation. And so with that cooperation, and now the wolf being humble and sweet, the wolf now becomes a defender of the city. And so now those that live in the city, they have a, like this supreme protector, and he protected the city several times from uh, forces of invaders that were trying to come in, uh, you know, and ransack the village. So there was like a very unusual partnership, but it all happened because of St. Francis being able to express the love of God to a creature that had done awful things. Praise the Lord. And truth be told, the, the fuller story is that that leopard also, that Brother Singh was very sweet to, the leopard had a very bad reputation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the gospel can reach anybody, any person. Praise the Lord. So these are just things that I'm telling you, things get very, very unusual when you have a walk with the Lord like that, that's originating out of a deeper life experience. Praise God. Now, let's go over to the book of the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 33, 3. And here we see the Lord saying, call to me and I will answer you. See, God doesn't play games. God doesn't say just call and keep on calling, keep on calling. And uh, it's not like the Lord works at the, at the DMV. You ever called the DMV? Uh, I need to update my license. I need to, I need to come in and work on my, do something for my registration. And the phone rings and rings. And if it finally does answer, it sends you off in this myriad answering machine system that just, you know, spins around the world. And it seems like now, so many things now, they become automated, and especially with, you know, the coronavirus and stuff like that. Everything's an answering machine. Well, now we're closed because of uh, coronavirus, but please, if you need this, dial 1, or if you need this, dial 8 or 7 or 10 or whatever it is. And so you dial it, and then you, hit, it, then you just get another answering machine, and on and on it goes. Aren't you glad, glad that God's not like that? He says, call to me, and I will answer you. And it's not an answering machine. It's he himself on the other end of the line. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, watch this, which you do not know. Ooh, praise the Lord. Now, let me go into this area of it. It's very multifaceted. I can only touch, for the sake of time, one, one facet of this beautiful gem of seeking the Lord in these late hours of the, you could call it night, or you could call it super early in the morning, but in the darkness, seeking the Lord, a clandestine operation. Nobody knows about it. The whole town's asleep. Unless, you know, you have those that work on the night shift, but they're busy working. So, you know, they can't, they can't go and do what you're doing. So you're off seeking the Lord. And one of the things that the Lord will do through, uh, through the Holy Spirit 
is he will begin to illuminate to you the evil works of the enemy. And the Holy Spirit can unravel to you the things where the enemy would be troubling you. Let me say this right now. I want to encourage those of you that would have these horrific nightmares, or you would have very uh, bad dreams. Maybe the dreams are of a, of, of a nature of dealing with certain areas of perversion or extreme horror. Uh, by the way, that's one of the things about hell that people don't understand. Yes, there's flames, and there's fire, and there's torment. But the fear, the level of fear in hell is indescribable. It is a place of such terror and horror that there is no horror movie on earth that, that, that can um, touch it. And uh, the, these horror movies are a slight expression of hell. So those are things you should never, ever look at, watch, or see. Uh, in the real hell, in the center of the earth, where all of the damned go, who rejected Christ. Yes, there's great torture and fire, but the levels of the fear are so thick and awful. Uh, I can't even describe it in words what it's like. But any time, back to what I'm talking about, this facet of the Lord unveiling things in these clandestine operations where you're meeting with Him to take the enemy out. Any time you ever have a nightmare or some type of dream that's that's very bad, and you know it's bad, and you wake up. D do not go back to sleep. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm tired. I got to get up in the morning. That, yep, but hey, if you go go you go back to sleep, you're probably going to get hit again. Or the first hit could have been so bad that you know not, now you're all upset. You know, so hey, don't just lay there. Get up out of it anyhow. Look, you're, you're not happy about what you just dreamt. Whether it's a very very bad horrible nightmare in dealing uh, involving with uh, terror and horror or perversion. No, no, don't don't just kind of wake up and go. Oh, that was awful. No, get out of bed. Get up anyhow. Look, don't let the enemy put that stuff on you. You, you could actually turn this. Where you use him as a servant. He doesn't think he is, but you can actually turn it where you use him as a servant. Where you can say, well, devil, you know what? I, I wasn't planning on getting up at this hour of the night to pray. But since you gave me such a wretched dream, I'm going to go ahead and get up and pray. I'm going to actually turn this and use it for something good. So it was actually he was like a servant that woke you up. Okay? So use it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And get up. And get out of bed and go sit somewhere. And here's, here's what the Lord will do. He will show you things that you don't know, great and mighty things. He'll show you the source of that dream, how the enemy was able to put that on you and, and torment you with that dream, with that nightmare. By the way, if you go back to sleep, you're probably never going to know. Get up. And often the moment you sit in that chair to begin to wait on the Lord, the first thing that come up is the Holy Spirit will reveal to you how the enemy was able to legally put that dream on you. Who is the source behind it? Is it a person that you think is a nice person, but maybe is operating as a witch, operating in occult activities? I've had the Lord reveal those things to me. And so he will begin to pull back that veil and you can see, oh, that's what's going on. That's how the enemy was able to put that filthy dream 
over on me and try to disturb my peace when I was sleeping. Well, you get up and you, and you deal with that. And now you really are in a clandestine operation right now. You are operating as a covert force empowered by the Holy Spirit to go behind the scenes and to wreck the enemy's plans and completely just take that whole thing apart. It's like you took a, a, a missile and you shot it and you blew up what the enemy was doing. And look, you can hit generational curses. You can hit attacks of witchcraft against your life or your family. And these, these really, they're, they're diabolical plans of the enemy. You can go in there in these hours of the night, and they're designed by God. Go in there and take it out. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so often, if the enemy tries to hit me with those things, I'll get up in the middle of the night. I go straight out of bed, go and sit with the Lord. And the moment I sit in that chair... The moment I sit in that chair, the Holy Spirit starts bringing it up. This is what's going on. This is how he's trying to attack and maneuver against you. And this is what's happening behind it. And he'll show it to me. Mm -mm. And then I can see, oh, that dirty devil. Lord, I thank you for showing that to me. Hallelujah. And you know what I always realize when the Holy Spirit does this? I always realize, wow, if I'd have rolled over and went back to sleep, in a, in a miserable condition, but yet, you know, I've, you know, if I'd have gone back to sleep, I would have missed what was really going on. Have you figured it out that there really is a spiritual battle between good and evil? Woo, it's on. Hallelujah. And when you're living for the Lord, uh, and don't, don't think he won't, the enemy won't try to hit you. But when you're living for the Lord and you want to see the lost one for Christ and you're busy in the Lord's kingdom, the, the enemy, he'll plot. He has, he has very cunning ways of even shooting arrows. Even when you're asleep, he'll try to shoot them into your soul. So when that happens and you wake up, get up and go spend time with the Lord. And the, the Lord will show you how to do a counterattack and blow that whole mess up. Woo, hallelujah. And then when you're done, maybe you spent 40 minutes with the Lord, maybe an hour. I always try to spend at least an hour. But that's not, remember, that's not a rule. That's not a technicality. That's just me. Sometimes I'll stay longer in the Lord's presence. But you just completely undo that, that work of the Lord. Uh, excuse me, not the work of the Lord, the work of the enemy. The Holy Spirit will show you how to dismantle it, how to pray against it, and neutralize the whole thing. Woo, glory to God. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. So you have to face it. You may, you may never be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> and if you're, if you're old, it, yeah, it's too late. It's never going to happen. You may never be a Green Beret. You may never be the Delta Force. You may never make it into some of these special ops. But in the spirit realm, oh, yeah, you can get in there and you can do some serious damage against the enemy. And when I, when I say that you get up in the middle of the night to seek the Lord, you're not getting up to engage something with the enemy. You're getting up to seek the Lord. But as you seek the Lord, he'll start showing you stuff sometimes. That's just one facet of what goes on in these middle of the night times with the Lord. He'll start showing you things. And now suddenly this turns like militant. You're not just here kind of like, oh, Lord, I love you. I enjoy your presence. Suddenly you're like you're you're engaging strategically against the enemy and you're taking out these terror cells of hell. Mm -mm. Oh, it's very real. Very real. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit, he'll help you blow the whole thing up. Praise God. And then when you go back to sleep, you go back to sleep very peaceful, deep, calm, peaceful sleep. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was with a, a minister friend one time. His name was Neville Johnson. He's in heaven right now. And one time, me and Neville were sitting at a conference in Jerusalem. We were 
two of the main speakers, there were about like maybe four, four main speakers. And so he and I were two of them in an international conference. People had gathered all over the world, a wonderful man of God hosting the conference. And so we're there in Jerusalem. So me and Neville had finished our speaking sessions and we're sitting on the front row and there was a prophet ministering from another, another nation. He was a mighty prophet of the Lord. And he finished his sermon after he finished preaching a very beautiful message, very powerful message. He wanted to lay hands on people and minister to people. And so a prayer line formed. And one of the ushers who was uh, bringing people up into the prayer line, he was working so fast that he he made a mistake and actually pulled Neville and me and my wife up into the prayer line. And, you know, because we're the ministers and we we had already ministered, we want to see the people get ministered to. But he kind of like made a prophetic mistake and pulled us up there. And so we're standing in the prayer line where we just thought, well, we'll just stand here anyhow. Sure, we'll be happy to receive. And here comes a prophet coming down the prayer line. And he's He's prophetically ministering to people as well as just, you know, touching people and blessing people and so forth. But something had happened before we went up into that prayer line because something supernaturally happened to me in that service. And I'm not going to go into that with the details of that, but it was a miraculous anointing that was placed on me in that service by the prophet Elijah. And I had told Neville about it. I, I told him during the service, I said, Neville, I said, something supernatural is happening to me. He, and I told him what it was. And he said, well, something supernatural has happened to me. And Neville said, I just looked over my shoulder because he said, I was feeling something going on with my shoulder blades. And when I looked over my shoulder, I saw wings pop out of my back. Now, he had a vision and he saw wings pop out of his back shoulder area, and he said, it, it allowed me to fly. And he said, I flew straight up into the, the, the spirit realm, into the second heaven. And he said, I, now the first heaven would be the area where, you know, you, you breathe the oxygen and you walk around and, you know, the birds fly and stuff like that. But the second heaven would be that higher area that we would call the upper atmosphere, and that's like where the planes fly real high at, you know, 30,000 feet. He said, I was taken up into that second heaven area, and I was shown these spiritual fortresses of evil. And I was taken to a palace of Ashtoreth. Now, Ashtoreth in the, in the Bible would be the spirit of lust, the spirit of immorality. And I saw her palace, and it was, it was all black, the whole palace, the wall around it, the fortress, the whole thing was black, like a real shiny gloss, jet black color. And I was taken there by the Holy Spirit because I could fly, and I was allowed to see and hear strategies of what they were plotting against the servants of the Lord and how they were planning to launch certain attacks against various ministers. And he said, I just got back from there. I just flew back from there. And um, so I just traveled to that place and back. And so now when he and I were standing in that prayer line, he and I had both received these new anointings for him to travel more in the spirit. And for me, the miracle anointing that God had given to me. And so Coming down the prayer line, the prophet, he gets to us and he says to Neville, he says, in this service, you have been given wings so that you can fly up into the second heaven and observe the plotting and the planning of the enemy so that you can pray against that and foil it and stop it. 
Mm. And then he got to me and he said in the meeting, he said the whole time in the meeting, you, you were being anointed by the prophet Elijah who came into the service who was placing uh, a special anointing upon your life. That, that anointing was for the working of miracles. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he was very accurate. He was right on. He was seeing all that in the spirit. And me and Neville and Kelly knew it because we had talked about it even before he came down that prayer line. But the fact of the matter is, it's just like Neville could travel in the spirit. When you get up in the morning, very early in the dark, you can call it nighttime or morning. It's like that in-between time. It's when everything is very quiet, very still. There are those times where the Holy Spirit starts taking you into the spirit to confront the evil works and to attack it and to stop it before it could do anything harmful. So you can neutralize it. Praise the Lord. This is just one of those aspects. And that's Jeremiah 33, 3. And the Holy Spirit told me that can correspond to 333 in the morning, 333 a.m. in the morning. Where you can be taken in the spirit, God can show you great and mighty things of even what the enemy would be trying to work against you, these plots. And see, that's why it says in, in the book of Proverbs that the snare of the fowler, now a fowler is somebody that traps birds, the snare that's put out for the birds, if the birds see it, it's not going to work. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do. He can show you the snare of the fowler that's meant to trap you. And you can say, oh, no, no, that's not going to work against me. And you can pray against it and send the angels in there. And they can go in there and just blow that whole thing up. Mm -mm -mm. You can also see things for others so that you can pray for others so that they will not be caught in the snare of the fowler as well. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Okay, I need to hurry. I wanted to get to one more scripture and this would be in the book of Ezekiel. And this is why today's message, I'm trying to get you ready for something. Yes, we're going to get ready for Feast of Tabernacles. That's October the 4th on Sunday. But there's something coming before that, and I want to get you ready for it. This is Yom Kippur. And I want you to understand that Yom Kippur, which is uh, in the, the Jewish mindset, the Day of Atonement. Now, we know that these feasts were fulfilled in Christ, and that Jesus is our high priest. And there's never a need ever again for some type of sacrifice to be made for the atonement of men's sins because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice by being our high priest and he is atoned for the sins of all humanity so anybody that will put their faith and trust in him as Savior and Lord receives the benefit of full atonement for sins that Christ has made possible for us to enjoy praise God now September 27th we're very very close to it is the day of Yom Kippur. And it says here in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 37, I will make you pass under the rod. That would be the shepherd's rod. So this is like sheep going beneath the shepherd's rod. I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. Now the sheep passing beneath the shepherd's rod is a time where the shepherd inspects the sheep and he takes the rod and he uh, he'll move it up and down on the uh, wool of the, the sheep and he'll check to make sure there's no ticks there's no lice there's no bugs there's no sores there's no wounds there's no this or that or the other 
and you know living out there in those open pastures there's many things that would attack the sheep uh, these little parasitic type things all of that is an inspection underneath the shepherd's rod I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant so this is a time of inspection this is a time of revelation knowledge flowing this is a time of the covenant your relationship with God being strengthened praise God now the prophet Bob Jones who is now in heaven many years back he had an encounter in a vision where Jesus appeared to him in a vision appearing before Bob Jones as the high priest and he was instructed every year on Yom Kippur to set time aside for visitation for unveiling for information from heaven and this would be on Yom Kippur and what would happen on that day would be the inspection of the sheep so it's like a time that we would pass underneath the rod and over the years over the decades I've met various prophets who do practice this uh, time of setting time aside on Yom Kippur for inspection of the Lord so that you could receive information and a checkup from the Lord on this special day praise God so here's what I'm trying to share if you will really make application of Mark chapter 1 verse 35 and you'll start getting up seeking the Lord seeking the Lord in the middle of the night I believe that when you get to the day of Yom Kippur which starts on Sunday at sunset on September 27th I believe that you will be sensitive enough to receive some things from the Lord praise the Lord because he will come he will come and he will share things he shared things with me on Yom Kippur before and if you will prepare your heart I believe that you could be in a place where you'll pick something up from the Lord especially if you're willing to get up in the middle of the night and wait on the Lord when you're very calm and very relaxed I think it's very possible that you can perceive what it is that the Lord would want to get over to you now I say prepare because you know if you were going to run a marathon you would want to prepare for it I would never recommend anybody with a running background I ran, I ran track through high school and college and stuff like that but you know you would never just go out with no training and try to run a marathon uh, it's not going to probably turn out very well maybe you could end up walking the whole distance but even still that's something you should pre prepare for so when it comes to being sensitive to the Holy Spirit if you, if you prepare and practice and walk with the Lord then when there are those times particularly during the uh, what the Jews call the high holy days or these special feast days then these are times when you could really catch some beautiful things from the Lord so if you've never done it before I would encourage you to jump in there and get your heart ready start seeking the Lord in the middle of the night because that's great training ground to get real quiet and to hear from the Lord and then then on September the 27th you can you can be ready praise God and those of you that are already walking with the Lord and you're no stranger to clandestine operations or night hawk uh, spiritual night hawk experiences because I've taught on this many times before and you're no stranger to it matter of fact you're getting excited about just hearing about it you're like I'm on pastor Stephen I'll be there hallelujah well then I have I have great confidence in the Lord that if you will prepare your heart also then the day of Yom Kippur can be a day where you could have one of those moments where 
like so many prophets do, it's a day where on that day you hear something from the Lord that you need to hear. You find out things that will help set the course for you. Now, we're almost at Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the Jewish New Year. And when we say Jewish New Year, it's actually the biblical calendar of when the New Year starts, which is the same day that God created Adam on. It's a very sacred day, a very special day, and that will set the tone for the whole year. But we are in the high holy days, as the Jewish people would say. Now, of course, in Christ, every day is a high holy day. Praise the Lord. But these are times when you can you can see Jesus represented through the feast, the beauty of Christ as seen through the feast, the lens of the feast, and you can know the Lord better. And you can also take advantage of amazing times to ride that anointing into the Lord's presence and hear from God yourself. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. So I believe that on Yom Kippur, there are going to be things spoken that you need to hear. Please take some time aside to hear from the Lord. And if you want to do it in these you know, late night hours in your own clandestine operation. Lord, I'm up on a secret mission to hear from you, whether two thirty or two or three thirty or four, or whatever works for you. You know, a long while before the sun comes up, get up and spend some time with the Lord, and then catch your revelation, and go back to bed, get some sleep if you need some. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Understand also that often when revelation comes. When there is something revealed from the Lord, sometimes it can come like waves. In other words, you'll catch something. Oh, Lord, that's wonderful. And you get it and you write it down. You think you say, thank you, Lord. That's wonderful. And you got something beautiful from the Lord. But that doesn't mean he's, uh, you know, finished talking. Hallelujah. Just hang out a little bit longer. And sometimes another wave will come with more revelation. Woo. Praise the Lord. What's going on? God is sharing great and mighty things that you don't know. But see, when you call, he'll answer. But we have to call. If we don't call, if we don't come before him, then we are violating the principle. We have to call. We have to seek. Praise the Lord. That's why we get up, hang out with the Lord, not as a, uh, a rule or regulation, but just out of a spiritual discipline of pushing and going after the Lord with all of our heart. Praise the Lord. Yes, this can be very demanding. Sometimes you can maybe look at it as being seasonal. You push maybe for a month, really going after the Lord. And then you take a little break, you know, get the sleep that you need and stuff like that. But there's also a grace where you could slip into it and something locks into your spirit. And you're like, you know, this is just too good to, you know, miss. And so you start making it a part of your life more consistently. And that's something you can certainly uh, merge into. Praise God. So I want to encourage, encourage you to get into these clandestine operations with the Lord and blow the devil's plans up and destroy that stuff and establish the security hedge around your life, even spiritually, that needs to be there. Hallelujah. And also prepare your, it also preps you, just helps you to be spiritual, helps you be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. That way, when you have these special moments when the Lord wants to say something, and Yom Kippur is always one of those days, you'll be ready. You'll be tuned. Hallelujah. So don't wait the day before or the day of. Start seeking right now. Get real close to the Lord. Develop that sensitivity. That way, when you hit that special day, because there's ministers all over the world that are 
pulling on the Lord on that day of Yom Kippur because they know, and I know too, hey, this is the day uh, that the Lord likes to visit his people. This is a day that the Jews have known for hundreds and thousands of years that the sheep pass beneath the rod of the shepherd. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. It's time to get a report card. Hallelujah. It's time to strengthen the bond of the covenant. Praise God. So my friends, get ready. God's talking. Great things are happening, but we must position ourselves to hear from the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that they will ponder Mark chapter 1 verse 35 and begin to move into that. And Acts chapter 6 verse 4 of continually praying and moving into that and and getting into the ministry of the Word. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, O God. Hallelujah, that you speak. And we thank you for clear direction and miracles being all around us consistently because of pressing in with the deeper walk. We thank you that when we call, you answer. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Some of you have called and called and called, but you've never had these clarion clear answers. I'm just trying to share with you bulletproof methods to get in there and get the line on the other end picked up and an answer back to you. Praise the Lord. So often the reason we never have gotten the answers is because we never really got quiet, never put ourselves in positions where we could hear. And somehow we expected God to shout over all the chatter. He very, very rarely does that. And usually he will only do it like that if it's like some kind of super danger situation that maybe you're in. But when it comes just to normal dialogue and the Lord speaking, he wants us to be there and to position ourselves to hear. And then he speaks when we're nice and quiet and relaxed. Praise God. All right. If you're watching today's program and you say, Pastor Stephen, I'm really liking this man, Jesus, this God, uh, the son of God named Jesus. I'd like to really get to know him. Well, today is your day of salvation. If you're ready to turn from sin and you're ready to turn your heart to God right now, pray this prayer out loud. Say it out loud. Let the Lord hear you. Call out to God right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you as a sinner. Jesus, save me. Wash my sins away. Wash them all away. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart. I give my whole life to you to serve you and to live for you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. And if you're a runaway Christian, you've ran away from God. Come back now. Pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I've run away from you, but I'm coming back right now. Jesus, thank you that you left the 99 sheep safely in the pen to come out here and look for me. So, Jesus, I thank you. I come back now. Jesus, wash me clean with your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring me back unto you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let's take communion together as a family of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Some of you that, you know, you, you lived wild in the world, you need to live all out for the Lord. Praise God. Don't be wild out there in the world and now you're going to be like a little mouse. 
you know, in the house of God. No, you need to be, you need to be strong in the Lord, strong in the things of God. Praise the Lord. Because the devil lost a good one when he lost you. Mm -mm. God got a trophy in you, praise the Lord. Now, you're his trophy. You're his child, his son, his daughter. Live for him. He's going to do beautiful things through your life to bring many others to him as well. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. My friends, grab some bread and juice. Let's take communion together. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We sanctify it as holy. As we receive now the bread, we thank you that this is the body of Jesus. The juice is the blood. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for boldness and strength and anointing. We give you praise. Lord, let the grace come now to seek your face, the grace to seek your face, the grace to get up and to practice what Jesus practiced. And many of the great prophets and apostles of old also walked in. Mm -mm. Spending time with you a long while before the sun comes up. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We're going for it. We thank you for the grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, if I do this, am I going to have wild animals showing up at my house like a lion or a tiger? I don't know. Maybe somebody, you know, maybe they escape from the circus or somebody needs somebody to, you know, help them out a little bit. That's between you and the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. But I'll, I'll say this. Strange things happen when you walk with the Lord like this. Strange, I've had strange encounters with animals. And uh, uh, I won't go into detail on that right now. Mm -mm. Not too much. Not too much. I've, I've had unusual things. I had raccoons one time. Whole raccoon family. Take off my shoes. Untied my shoes with their little hands. Untied the shoelaces and took my shoes off. Uh, put their hands up my pants and pulled my socks down. And uh, we had a wonderful conversation. And uh, had a wonderful, I wouldn't say conversation, but we had a wonderful time. They all they all went for a swim in the pool. They were doing about, uh, some of them were doing a backstroke in the swimming pool. Swimming around in the pool. And this was a when I was a security guard, I worked night shift. This was about, oh, 24 years ago. And uh, so uh, I, I also told them, I came back the next night, I told them, you've all got to leave because the exterminator is going to come. He's going to try to kill all of you. So all leave. And they all, they were all cleared out by the next morning. And when the pest control showed up, they were all gone. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Some other things I could tell, too, but uh, they're very interesting. Something that, you know, life gets very interesting. Something happened to me the other day that was so unusual, but Kelly was there when it happened, and I said, I said, Kelly, I said, I'm glad that you saw that with your own eyes and you heard that with your own ears because I, you know, she said, I, I was there, yeah, when it, something very supernatural happened. It was so crazy, it was supernatural, but she was there too. My friends, I'm telling you, there is a way to get into these wonderful things with the Lord. You'll have your own St. Francis of Assisi story. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Woo, glory to God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's receive the blood of Christ. One night, Brother Sadhu Sundar Singh was traveling through a remote area, 
mountainous region and found a little bitty abandoned hut to spend the night in. You know, very, very primitive, uh, you know, dirt floor, only enough room for like one person. So he goes in there and goes to sleep. And when he woke up in the morning, there was a king cobra uh, that had come in in the middle of the night and had uh, coiled up next to him. And the the king cobra was pushing against his back. And so he he turns over and sees that thing. You know, they can get very, very long, as you've seen on these nature shows. It was a full size one. He sees that thing and it it startled him. Well, it startled anybody, even a even a veteran missionary like him. And. He got up real quick and he ran out of that little bitty hut and he had left his uh, his shawl in there. And the Holy Spirit said, no, he said the animal was just trying to stay warm and it was using your body to kind of, you know, get some body heat. So go back in there and get your shawl. It'll be okay. And he went back in there and and because it was laying right next to the snake, but he picked it up and the snake just kind of took off the other direction uh, and disappeared. But uh, it was okay. I'm just telling you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And some of these things, they aren't even weapons. They're not trying to uh, scare or something like that. Maybe they're just scary in their nature. And uh, you come across it, but uh, God will give you the, the peace and the composure that you need. Nothing will harm you. God will protect you. His angels will always be with you. Praise the Lord. And again, my friends, thank you for sowing your special seed towards the the airtime for these new shows that we're going to be creating for the outreach of souls. Praise God. Thank you for your tabernacle seed. And I'll see you back again real soon. Get your heart ready for Yom Kippur to seek the Lord and to hear from God. Bye-bye.